doesn't sound as good to me. But, you know, it's a different culture thing. Hey, let's talk about something that actually really did affect, kind of affect a lot of us. Um, What's that? Um, Adam Schlesinger passed away. Right. Uh, from the coronavirus, which is a real goddamn shame. Um, right. I, I know just because, I don't know if our listeners, our listener knows, um, but, you know, that thing you do is such a great movie. You know, he wrote that song, the theme song, or the, the main the title soundtrack, track actually. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, he did, he did the whole deal. What's weird, too, is about two months ago, maybe six weeks ago, maybe it hasn't even been two months, I, you know, I'm constantly kind of rotating through different songs I want to use as reference for calibrating my ears to a room or to listen to... Like if I have to make changes to like speakers in our in our recording studios, like I'll listen mm-hmm. to a few songs that I'm extremely sonically familiar with to see if the balance is good or whatever. And a couple months ago, I started, or about six weeks ago, I started using Stacy's Mom because that is such a good. Not only is that a great song, like just like by textbook definition, whether you think it's stupid or cheesy, right? Or it's just whatever. It, it meets it's, a formula and it's it written is, well. Exactly, it is by definition a catchy, fun song that, by and large, I would say that if you haven't been burned out on it and it was the first time you heard it, you'd be like, "Oh, I like that song. Oh, isn't that a fun song?" Like you could play that for grandma, and grandma would think, "Oh, that's cheeky" or whatever. Right. Um, but I've been listening to that a lot. So, like, and I listen to a lot more of Fountains of Wayne just because of that. So. To hear that he passed away was really, really troubling. Um, a, a guy that I used to work with, um, or I have done some work with that I randomly ran into at a Christmas party, um, a producer guy, he wrote a big article in Variety about um, Adam. And it was really it was really sweet. And it's just, it's crazy how, you know, you're just going along one day and suddenly... <laughs> This guy just gets this brand new virus. Nobody, you know, that's never happened before. That was a real shame. I was really bummed out to hear that. So Sarah and I have a, uh, you know, a viewing of that thing you do as a memoriam coming up very soon. Um, Oh, yeah. I need to do the same. That's a big one, man. Especially for you and me. Like, you know, I I remember like whenever you and I met in a weird way that that movie was like, that was like what every, like us and all of our friends we wish would happen to us. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it was in the fifth in the in the sixties. It was a different time and stuff. But man, like that's like that was us like getting to watch. I don't know, like Friday, like a football player, you know, getting to watch Friday Night Lights or yeah. Varsity Blues. Like that was like the coolest, closest thing to to what we were trying to make happen in our own lives. Uh, and I, I, I think that movie is super iconic, at least for my life. You know, I remember Steubenville. I, <laughs> I think, I think that's probably still to this day, Greg's favorite movie. Greg, it's, Ar- it's a great movie. Yeah. Vicksburg and the Pittsburgh, Vicksburg and the Pittsburgh. <laughs> Pittsburgh. I mean, it really it's is. Such, it's such a great movie. And then the music that went along with it was just that much better. Um, yeah, it absolutely, which was man talk about a challenge like to come out with that movie and say how are we going to capture the sound and the times but we're not going to use any other like some some music that people already know right. so what you write has to be a hit it, ha- like, it has to be <laughs> it has to be a hit everybody has to hear it and it has to it has to resonate with them and stay with them forever yeah and how did you like how did man what a great movie absolutely love it yeah i i was pretty bummed out too like i didn't i'll be honest i wasn't completely like i, I heard the name and i had to google 
who it was. I'm horrible with names, uh, faces, and, and accomplishments I'll never forget. But uh, the second I saw that, I was like, oh, man, what a bummer. Like, how... 52 years old too that's that's yeah. young so what did he yeah. what happened oh my god it was the coronavirus you know yeah. so realistically you know at the beginning of march or you know the end of february he had no idea what this thing was he was going about his life uh we can only you know assume he caught what he thought was the flu man you know right i i, I feel kind of crappy i'm not gonna go out today i'm gonna ride the couch today i'm gonna you know I'm going to rewatch that thing you do for the thousandth time, whatever he's going to do, you know, and then, and then it, and it creeps up and it gets him, and you're just like, you have yeah. got to be kidding me. I saw um, that, um, I saw that pink also suffered from the coronavirus, but recovered and she donated a really? million dollars to, you know, coronavirus research, whatever. I thought that was interesting that she didn't come out and say, Hey, I've got this. Um, right. We also don't know if she was a severe case or if she was tested and was basically asymptomatic. I mean, I don't know. I didn't read that deeply into it. But it's interesting how this, you know, that's one thing that I find so crazy about this is it, this, this does level the playing field to a certain degree when it comes to humanity as a whole. I mean, it doesn't matter how many oh, zeros yeah. you have in your bank account, like you can, ab- or, or how powerful or how poor or whatever, like whatever your stance in society is makes no fucking difference well and and people are starting to realize that like the last thing i need in my life is to be inspired and motivated by a celebrity like (laughs) like lacy has been lacy kind of gets frustrated with it she goes i don't need to hear about this like and i totally get on board with it you know it's like i yeah your life is super easy because you have a, a personal chef and a nanny and everybody that comes in and you're you're controlling all this stuff and you have ways to, you know, you got tennis courts and you have these big theaters in your house and it, like you never leave your house anyway because you're too famous to go out in public. So how is your life really affected by this? Right. And all it really is, is this desperate ploy for them to remain relevant. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're, they're getting on. So the one thing that a lot of people are trying to do myself included i'm constantly got the wheels turning i'm not trying to make money off the coronavirus but i would love to have like a light bulb turn on in my brain that says this is going to be a new need with the new world after this is all fizzled out this is the way people are going to want to react i would love to think of like the next you know business venture that's like oh well you know i i recognized a need and i created a product or a service or something like that and and I executed on it. Like I'd love to do that. Start I buying. Feel like- start buying all the diapers. Buy all of them. Buy every diaper you can find because in nine months, from nine to twelve months from now, there are going to be so many children born. It is going to be. <laughs> serious. I'm not like I'm not making a joke. I mean, there's absolutely going to be a baby boom. What do you do when you're at home? If you're, and I, I'm not trying to like denigrate the average American, but I would assume that the average American goes to work, comes home, eats a hamburger watches you know tv and then bones and then goes to bed you know like that's yeah. you know the average like person in a you know uh a cohabitive really you know relationship where you know they mm-hmm. you know live with it, their partner um right. so outside of the homosexual community i feel like we're gonna have a lot of people who are bored and boning you know i mean i can speak for myself in that sense. Um, (laughs) You know, we have the necessary precautions in place, but uh, so we're not expecting anytime soon. uh, I hope, but um, that's going to be a, that's going to be a big thing in 
nine months, 10 months, 11 months, 12 months. There yeah, are going but, to be so many. There's going to be a million children born in that small amount of time just just because of this without, you know, on top of the regular amount of births that we would have, even though the U.S. does have a declining birth rate. Um, or but all, all that births. means all that means to me is that Pampers is about ready to have a banner year. Right. The, oh, yeah. Those those industries like already really they already exist. But, you know, you look at like, you know, I was at a Walmart neighborhood market the other day and they had the cash register for the like the checkers, but they were like almost completely encased around like plexiglass. So somebody's going to look at that. Like what what was put in there, I'll be honest, looked like it was locally manufactured. Right. It was probably the store manager said, Hey, I'm going to try to find something to make this make sense. But somebody is going to change the way we all get our groceries. Right. I personally, I felt more comfortable having me be the only person to touch my stuff. So I went to the self checkout line. So somebody is going to look at that. They're going to evaluate it and they're going to say, I created this new way of doing this thing that we all do. And I would love to think of one of those ideas that just makes things work smarter, more efficient, cleaner, safer, all those things. I don't have that idea at the moment, but point being, um, you know, I would, I would love to, to think that up. I don't know what it is. I think that that is going back to my original point. I think celebrities and things like that, they're getting spooked, especially musicians, man. Like they already don't make money off of record sales. Really? It's all off touring and and brand Publishing. deals and promotions and all that kind yeah. of stuff cross promotions yeah. right like that's going to be tricky for them like they're sitting there doing free concerts on youtube which takes a cell phone yeah you still have to have the chops you still have to be talented you still have to be relevant but if you slip out of the limelight for two minutes it's hard to get that that stock back and you know that that market share or ownership back and i and i think what you're like i'm seeing at least some of them are really genuine you know like jimmy world i saw they're like hey we're we're locked in just like you guys are we're gonna play some old tunes and they're playing the stuff that like i love because i'm a jimmy world fan they're not playing you know the hits that that are gonna help sell them more records they were doing it for the love of music but i think there are people out there that are doing it because it's it's a marketing opportunity to do something in a new fresh way and somebody at some record company is saying oh well this is going to help us make more sell more units you know well the thing is though this isn't a new fresh way anymore i mean like um i follow ryan adams on instagram i think i i I get on my instagram maybe once a week and and look at that because i'm too old and too fat and too bald and too white to like really get Instagram, I guess. Um, or I just haven't dedica- dedicated the time, one or the other. Hey, um, I'm older, fatter, and balder, and I somehow get it. So you okay, have no well, excuse. I just, maybe I just don't, <laughs> maybe I don't give a shit. Maybe that's right. it. Um, that's, that's, that's actually totally it. So never mind. Um, but you know, like, uh, it really, like, you know, nobody's made record, made money off record sales ever, you know, ever. Period. I mean, maybe Garth Brooks, I think he had like the best deal ever at like a dollar a record. You know, it, it was like, it's like that. And that was like crazy. So nobody, like the, the business model really hasn't changed except for touring. Now touring is like going to take a hit, but people have also been mm-hmm. changing the way they do tours and stuff too. For example, like my girlfriend is currently furloughed from a management company that she works for. Now, a lot of the artists on this particular management company have had a big 
like an online, you know, presence, you know, in the wake of this, uh, in the wake of these events. And they have gone, it has gone, it has been bonkers, berserker for them. Like it has gone, it's gone fantastic. I mean, they're getting huge, like national news organization. (laughs) Okay. I'm four beers deep, three and a half beers deep. Um, like national news organizations, like paying attention to what they're doing because, you know, they were on top of it. I don't know if people are going to stop touring, but there is not going to be, there will always be a way that people are going to figure out how to make money through this, you know, oh, yeah. without, without touring. Um, I mean, they, they have to, but, but, but you're right. I mean, your point still stands. I mean, without touring, like, how, I mean, th- I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that this is going to change the, f- the finance the financial landscape of America. I mean, I know now, like we're, I was talking to our buddy Kyle Ragsdale uh, yesterday and he said that he had to get online and reserve a spot in line at Walmart. Um, and he had an option for like a physical line or a virtual line and he chose the virtual line. So he basically did what people do now with like, what is it? Cash cart or uh, cash or um, groceries to door or whatever the right, f- right, right. the freaking app is like, and basically he just went and shopped and like they just brought it out to his car. I mean, I really do think this is like this is some sort of thing for I don't know. Brick and mortar is going to really change how they operate if they don't just like completely shift away from it altogether. I do think that we're going to see a huge technological advance through this because people are. I'm like I know I had to go to work yesterday. Like I had to go up there to the place that I work to do something, um, so we could access work remotely. Um, and it just got me to thinking about how like, wow, like, uh, Hey, I don't want to be here because, um, you know, <laughs> there's other people around. Comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm extremely uncomfortable because there's people around that, you know, either I don't know, or I don't know where they've been, but you know, this is going to change how people do things. Be, you know, like I'm going to change the way I do things from now on, probably anyway, just like the people who just survived the great, just, Dis- you know, the great depression. Like, yes, that lasted for what, three years. Like it was just under or just over three years or just shy of four. It right. completely changed the rest of their lives. You know, that's why, you know, people go back to like the, their grandparents financial model of saving and not spending every dime they get, because that's what those people did because they suffered a great deal of financial oppression that wasn't of their own making. Um, mm-hmm. This is definitely going to change how things go forever from now on. Um, and I wonder what that's going to look like. I think you're right. Like there, there's got to be some good idea out there to like capitalize on, but that's, that's not just capitalizing, but also providing a service and a need that people require. But I don't know what that is other than making t-shirts that say practicing social distance, practicing social distancing. You know what I mean? Like you think about, you think about like Uber, Uber, like the guy that thought that up, like when he started thinking about it, he's like, uh, it's like a thing. You just like, you get on an app and then it sends a cab to your door. You're like, well, the cab companies already have apps and the cab companies already have a phone number. Or if you live in a big enough city, they didn't have apps until Uber came out and there was no cab company that had an app until Uber came around. Are you being serious? Am I am I that in the dark? Either I, way, I never saw a I'm single to... cab company had an app until Uber was around. Then suddenly, every cab company had an app. Okay, well, I digress. Whatever. Could it, be wrong. Point I'm trying to make is that somebody like completely reshaped the industry with which you get a ride from somebody else, right? And you pay them for that service by creating an app, and it was that simple. And Something is going to come and change from this, but the thing that we don't know yet is 
what about life is going to change we've seen a little bit you know i think social distancing to some regard will remain but we're also just too populated of a country for everybody to remain you know six feet away at all times you know all those types of things so i think it's going to become an internal personal practice people are going to like being in their own environments better and they'll they'll probably be willing to pay for you know the convenience of not having to go out as much I yeah, which know. is which is a real shame too because you know i know that that's one of the things that like trump is really planning on like becoming a boom again is like the restaurant industry like he wants to pr- provide tax write-off tax write-offs again for like corporate lunches dinners whatever i guess i, I did i didn't realize that it wasn't a thing now i thought you could still do that but um I mean, how many people are going to be going out? And the other thing, too, is whenever all these lockdowns get lifted, man, it's going to be... I mean, the restaurants and bars are... In my, I predict, I could be wrong, but I predict that they're going to be absolutely packed. I mean, they're going with to me. be assholes to elbows. And I'm like, yo, I am not... You won't catch me dead in a bar, you know, for a while because it's... To- it's totally going to make this thing come back. I mean, because once again, it only takes one person to spread it to at least three people. At you know? least three, like yeah. You, you like kind of like can't, you almost, if you're not practicing self-isolation, you almost can't help it, you know? Right. Um, and, and what's even worse is that because there are so many cases, I'm not sure that I didn't have, that myself and Sarah did not have coronavirus a couple weeks ago whenever we both got extremely ill like very 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 ill like couldn't get off the couch or out of bed for five days that does not happen to me i wasn't experiencing any respiratory problems um and neither was she but man i have not felt that bad in a long time there's going to be a lot of people who are asymptomatic who are just going to be out spreading it because i finally can go out i haven't been sick this whole time this is great i can finally go do it and they're going to be spreading it around, you know, like mm-hmm. unknowingly and not, you know, they're not evil or whatever for doing that. It's just they don't know. We, we don't have we don't have nationwide testing. Let me talk about testing. Can I ask you about testing? Can I ask your opinion about something? Yeah. So I keep I keep hearing Donald say that the tests that he inherited were bad, that they were bad tests. Now, do you know anything about testing methods I heard, that we had for coronavirus ahead of time for this and why those tests were so bad i just hear they're bad i don't I get no specificity about what was wrong with them or how they were broken or why they were so bad now i i'm under the understanding that we didn't really have a test in place for this before this happened um not that i know right. i'm sh- I, I mean i don't know like i'm ignorant to this i'm literally asking you this i'm not trying to say yeah, anything I, as fat i'm not a, i'm not by any means an expert either but the things i heard about it were i heard the bad thing and then i heard the bad thing like, i i want well I, I heard that it was bad and then i also heard some clarification that um it was almost as if like their margin of error was too high so any test you give, obviously, like a pre- like a pregnancy test, for example, they say is like ninety eight percent effective. You know, they're not number one. They're not going to say that it's a hundred percent because sure, it's just it's impossible. But also, there it's is a, a possibility. Yeah, yeah, it's a liability. But there's also like a possibility of defect. So right. um, my get my understanding is that the the margin of error was higher than 
what was expected. So if they had like a 85% accuracy rate that they expected out of these, they came back to be like 70% accurate. So I guess I'm curious as to when they found out they were bad. Yeah, it devalidates the- Invalidates. You know, or invalidates, it sorry. It invalidates, Corey. It invalidates. Sorry, you elocution, elocutionist. Um, <laughs> but it you know, it, it just pretty much takes all that, that data and makes it invalid at that point. So- um, but when did they know that and why, you know, if they knew the tests yeah, were bad know. already, and that's the thing is that he, like Trump always says, like, we were, we were prepared. We were, I mean, nobody could have seen this coming, but we were prepared. We had all this stuff, but the tests we inherited were bad. And and, right. the, and, the, and the shelves we were given were basically bare and the army didn't have bullets. Okay. Well, so the army got, bu- the military got bullets. Well, why didn't we do the other thing too then? Like, right. you know, if, if you're so worried about being prepared and you're saying that you did everything you could and you did it all early then why is this a problem? Like you're, you're kind of, t- to me, it sounds like he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. He's saying, well, we were prepared, but we couldn't be prepared because we got such bad stuff from the last administration, which is just so ironic to me, like that, you know, Obama, there were several times that he, you know, made several st- dozens, hundreds of statements about how he inherited a bad economy from the Bush administration. And then, right. and you know, everybody and, wants to, everybody oddly enough wants to just blame the guy before him, which and I Donald, think is really And Donald funny. pointed out several times on Twitter through the Obama presidency that he shouldn't be blaming another administration. Now he's here doing the same thing. And I'm just like, well, I mean, who, what are we talking about here? Like, to me, it still doesn't seem like you were prepared. Like, if you knew this was what it was, if you knew you were inheriting empty shelves of medical supplies, if you knew you were getting outdated tests, if you knew you were getting all this, then why wouldn't you just prepare for If you're giving the military ammunition, that's great. That's one way to protect your citizens. I mean, to a degree, there hasn't been a, you know, attack on the United States other than Pearl Harbor and... September 11th that I know of in the last 120 years. Can you think of another one? I can't um, personally. I mean, other than like the USS Cole, like things that have been like, you know, U.S. Yeah, territories like state, or property. You, you mean like state on state warfare, you know, yeah, essentially. You know, so, but let's prepare for those things. And there have been plenty of people who have been, there was a meeting, uh, according to a report that I read, there was a meeting about exactly this a couple months before. Uh, or, or I'm sorry, like in August or September of last year, like in a, a, a meeting of like U.S. government officials about the fact that we weren't prepared for something like this. So mm-hmm. let's say that the coronavirus never happened. Let's say it never happened or it hasn't happened yet. Let's say it's going to happen three months from now. Why aren't we doing that? Why haven't we been doing the things that we needed to do? Like if we armed the military, then why didn't we arm everybody else too? Like I get that. You know, it's plot. You know, it's it's much more conceivable that you know warfare on a, you know, in a, in a combat situation is more likely to happen since it's been, you know, happening for the last eighteen years. But be prepared for everything. That's why we're. That's. I mean, you know this more than anybody. That's why the U.S. military is prepared to fight a full scale war on two separate fronts at all times. At all like, times, yeah. we weren't even ready for this and ready like, to react to a third if it happened. And you know? ready, exactly. And now we're, but we, we weren't even ready to react to, you know, anything beyond the common flu. So which is I, I look at it, I mean, obviously at a way smaller scale, like my, my involvement in the military, I, I reiterate this every time I don't have a combat related function. I have an administrative right. function, but the practice, the mentality, the approach, everything translates no matter what, if you're right. sitting there talking about how you're going to defend a base or be or you know launch an offensive 
um, that that strategy, that way of thinking, that approach translates directly into a conference room when you're having conversations about how you're going to, you know, accomplish your mission, your tasking, your your job of doing administrative stuff. So the reason I, I kind of I I stacked on, you know, the option of a third um uh, you know, a third goal. So no matter what in the military, you refer to it as mission. So if your mission is to, you know, shock and awe, you know, that's a big mission. <laughs> you know, we're going to go drop thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds of ordnance on a foreign country. Tons, and, thousands of tons of ordnance. Right. Thousand, yeah. Uh, you know, we're going to just, you know, bomb the shit out of them. That's, that's one mission, but some missions are, are a lot, you know, you kind of chuckle at, you know, calling it a mission, but you know, like the chow hall, that is their mission. That is their job is to, to make sure that the food is ready for the people that need to go eat there. Um, so in anything that you execute a mission on, you have to, you have to evaluate, are we capable of, of performing this mission and what assets, tools, supplies, people, um, skills, whatever training equipment, you name it. What things do we need in order to, to perform this mission? Well, to his credit, to his credit, by the way, old Donald, um, I did see that, uh, Dr. Burks was extremely, um, she pointed out how, uh, out extraordinary it was that we are sending that Donald has directed a thousand medical military members to aid in different states. She said that she had worked uh, in that field for 29 years and not one time ever in those 29 years did she see um, service, like medical service members being delegated to a civilian task. And I thought, you know, th- that's something. I mean, that that's something to his credit. They're trained, I mean, they're qualified, and they're available. Let's they better them, be you know? better trained and better qualified than anybody else, in even in the private medical field. You know, we pay enough for it, and we, we, we say that we're the best military, so I would expect them to be the absolute best. And I'm, I'm sure they are, actually have no doubt about that, if you're catching that from my tone at all, because I don't. Right, no, 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 no. I have no but, doubt about go, that. But going back, back, going back to my point. So, in planning a mission, this is one thing I'm trying to like, just trying to keep it simple, and trying to maybe explain the whole idea and the strategy behind why the stockpile may have been depleted or nobody thought about this. So, you let's say you have a simple mission. I'm trying to think of an example of of something that you know the average person. What's your mission? Um, let, let's just talk about like you know having a home. Right. So you have a family meeting, right? And in that meeting, you say, okay, the mission of this home for us to to keep this home afloat as a family is somebody's got to pay the bills. And is the money orchestrated for that? And everybody looks around, they're like, yeah, the money's in place. And can you execute paying these bills? Yes. That person then takes the ownership of that piece of it. And they said, who else, who's got the next piece? And somebody says, um, so we're now we're looking at, you know, yard and facility maintenance, you know, making sure that the structure of the home and that the yard is presentable, all that kind of stuff. Who's going to take that on? And then a team of people get together and they say, we have the resources. We have everything we need. We're going to, we're going to tackle this. And like, okay, great. And then like around the table, what else? And, you know, somebody's like, oh, food, you know, people have to eat. So we're going to be the ones to prepare the food. And like, okay, great. Everything's squared away. And then they get to this one other part of the table and they're like, 
and, and what's your job here? And they say, well, my job is to have a plan in case an airplane falls out of the sky and collapses the house. They're going to say, okay, we're going to put a little, the, the likelihood of that is so small. We're going to focus more effort today on the lawn, the facilities, maintenance, the food and the bills. As long as you think you have an idea of what's going to happen with the airplane falling on the house, we're not going to really sweat it. I think that's honestly the mentality of a worldwide pandemic, obviously in a grander scale, but you know, you have bad actors out there. You've got, um, you got North Korea, you've got Iran, you've got Russia, you've got China, you've got nuclear weapons, you've got, you know, a never ending war in the middle East and you have all these things, but, and those are real, you know, they're knocking on your door every single day. When and where is a pandemic going to jump and pop up out of who knows? So, all the time, money, effort, and resources that go into making sure that there's a stockpile available in some bunker in case something like that happens, it, dude, that's taking up very little of a lot of people's bandwidth because I'm, there are very busy people out there that are trying to juggle um, more obvious, more prevalent, more realistic threats until this becomes the realistic threat. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the next I, thing well, you know, you're like, uh, oops. I mean, so. I mean, I hope you're reinforcing the point of like, I mean, we do have to be prepared for it. I mean, we've, we've, t- we spoke about this before. We spoke about it privately or whatever, but about being like financially prepared as individuals for something like this, like, right. you know, making sure that you are like, like there's no reason that I should have a rainy day fund and the United States federal government kind of doesn't like we're bar- we're borrowing money to do this like to do the bailout right like we mm-hmm. are we're like mm-hmm. and trump has made it very clear that we're borrowing it because we can get it for zero percent interest and whatever which sounds too much like a car salesman to me um right but like you you're supposed to be prepared for this and it was a few months ago whenever he disbanded whatever that was um it was some man i hate to sound so freaking ignorant but he disbanded a big like medical thing he was like look like we don't want to have people sitting around getting paid doing nothing we can get these people back very very quickly very very quickly is what he said we can get them back very quickly but unfortunately what he did was he let these people out of a job and they stopped getting a paycheck so they went and got other jobs instead of us being prepared like look i am so much happier look i have no problem funding the military i'd have no problem funding whatever we fund however like I want to make sure that we're ready. And I feel like that we weren't. And I feel like there's been a lot of bad actors within whether himself or his administration that have kind of, they they almost like allowed, it's almost like one of those things, like as soon as you think something isn't going to happen, that's exactly what's going to happen, bud. You know, right. Like, but the one thing, the one thing I really appreciate about the, the task force is one thing that they continually say repeatedly, especially Dr. Burks. And I actually both the medical professionals, uh, Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci, like they repeatedly say it and, and often uh, Vice President Pence too. They're giving a lot of credit to the things that they learn and the things that they were not prepared for. So it's not just a mechanism of of what President Trump says. Unfortunately, he is the the poster child for it. So what he says is that what everybody is gonna hang their hat on. But at the same time, there is a lot of credit being given to um, to the things that have been learned so that they can 
they can actually write a playbook for the future. A lot of the playbook that was written for this type of scenario was based on hundred year old data before everybody had a car before airplanes were carrying people internationally. Um, before that was an everyday way of life before the spread of information with, uh, with multimedia, the internet, all those types of things. We didn't know how to react to this as a society with the tools that we had. And now that we've gone through it in this day and age, they can actually write a playbook so that if something rears its head in the next three to four, five, 10 years or whatever, they have, they have something to look back at as, as, uh, analytics and, and, and data to help support that. Those are smart decisions. Everything this time around has been on the fly. And I've, I've definitely noticed it. Like I said, from the medical professionals and from vice president Pence that they, they are constantly saying we have learned a lot like yeah it's coming at the price of this that and the other thing but we have nothing but but lessons to learn because nobody here is an expert in this we have people that are experts in how to be on the medical side of it we know somebody that understands what's going on in the body and we have a guy here that's really smart about supply chain management and we have a guy here that's really good with public relations but we don't have like our team is learning how to be this team. We're not a, a team of seasoned experts with a bunch of Super Bowl rings on showing off our many accomplishments. You know, we're, we think we're ready for the Super Bowl and, but we're, we're, we're playing the game just like anybody else would. Well, but I guess, I guess my argument with that would be is like, okay, well, yeah, like it's been a hundred years since this happened, but viruses have not changed in billions of years. I mean, there's variations and they, and they, mutate and so but the virus a virus itself or a coronavirus or whatever is fundamentally the same like the 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 spanish flu pandemic um i mean they're they're two different things but i mean they still they still the same thing obviously we're learning a lot about it like about this new you know this novel virus but i mean we still have evidence there's still things that happened that we know about that worked or you know just just basic Look, I mean, there's a reason why Bill Gates has been warning about this for years. Like, yes, we're learning about a lot about this one, this particular strain of this particular coronavirus. However, we've known about these things for literally the last century. Like, we've known, oh, yeah. like, and like had a very clear grasp on what. In fact, I was reading a um, uh, a World Health Organization report from 2007 about novel coronaviruses the other day. And how, I mean, look, this is not new. Like we were not, well, we were not, right then, uh, right there is, is where I think you pointed out the perfect, perfect agency for this, you know, to, pl- to blame one president or one prime minister or one prince or king or one world leader for this is a crime when you have, number one, you have a world health organization, right? Who is looking out at the looking out for this at a global capacity? But then within each and every country, there is entire administration or organizations that that are ha- that have an eye on this. So you can't just blame Trump for the way that this has been handled. You also have to, if you want to point the finger at a at a leader, a single person, you can't just blame the whole thing on him. It just happened on his watch. I, I, I'm not. This could I, have happened just as easily to to Bush or Reagan or president lincoln whoever you know like it could have happened on anybody's watch and who and how they handled it is 
you know, obviously going to be criticized no matter what. No, um, I, I agree. I, I, I completely agree with you. And I, I'm not trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater there either. Like, I mean, this it, it is it was Obama, Bush Jr., Clinton, Bush Sr., Reagan, you know, all of these. I mean, this, these are just the ones in my lifetime. Um, any any of them could have been prepared for this. We all, I also don't have any data as to how much the national stockpile has changed or who's modified it the most See, or whatever. The, even the whole even the whole idea of a national stockpile kind of baffles me a little bit. Do you think that like I don't know I I, I look at things like that they're they're going to expire right so being in the military when I deploy they give me what's uh it's called a chem a chem gear bag and it weighs like a metric shit ton it's like a hundred and it's probably like a hundred pounds total and it's like all this stuff that i would need to put on in the event that a you know chemical chemical attack took place Mm -hmm. right and it's all um you know shrink wrapped in like this super thick crazy thick plastic and it's got all this labeling lettering and 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 they all have expiration dates on it so it's a similar type of concept. This is something that you will cut open and you will put on your body in an oh shit moment and things are really, really bad right now. Right, yeah. Similar idea, but obviously scaled down because you're only going to give this to military personnel and it's only for, you know, an acute um, an acute use. Serious shit. Yeah. Right. But same, same with like a national stockpile. Like, People keep talking about that like it's this thing that they understand, but I'll bet you a hundred bucks it's way more complicated than anybody understands. If you have things in there, like mechanical things such as like respirators and things like that, I bet those have a defined shelf life. Like you said, they have maintenance contracts associated with them. Um, it's obviously classified how many of those are, are uh, usable assets because... We don't want somebody to know how vulnerable we are or are not um, so that they can tailor an attack to it. It just, it gets really, really messy. So when people start talking about this national stockpile thing, dude, I don't even try to understand it because like, like in a small level, man, like when I was stationed in Japan, uh, KJU, I mean, that was literally like a, like a three hour flight from where I was at mm-hmm. and he was shooting, he was shooting test rockets over japan right and i was getting anxious man i'm like yeah man this is all happening it's all over the news everybody all my family back in the states is calling me to make sure i'm okay and i'm like yeah i'm totally fine it's a yeah, i called day you a here. few times <laughs> right yeah like dude don't worry it's a beautiful day here it's sunny it's right. gorgeous i wish you could come hang it's out on hot the beach shit. with me you know like right. it's saturday leave me alone i don't want to talk <laughs> about work you know? i don't want to talk to you any day <laughs> right and uh so but I was I was looking around going, are we ready? Like if we needed to be? And the reality is yes. You know, there's just things that I don't need I don't need to know unless sure. I need to know, kind of thing. Right. Yeah. You know, and um so I didn't know what numbers of supplies were available to me, um, and and so on and so forth. The reality is is a mechanism is in place to get it if it needs to be. And what they're finding with this is maybe this alleged national stockpile was depleted expired mismanaged you name it but you got to start talking about like they were uh, trump was like touting about the number of gloves he's like we delivered three million gloves today and you're like okay 
you know what three million gloves actually means to a national stockpile? It's nothing. like nothing. It's like a a five car garage stuffed to the ceiling with boxes. Right. So now that those boxes become, you know, are, has weather gotten to them? You know, how old are these? What is the shelf of life of that? So a lot, managing that stuff is a nightmare. Um, but it's but it's not our night. It's their nightmare. And not only that, but like three it is. might seem like a lot, but like you're supposed to change them between every patient. And almost every single municipality in the fucking union, uh, like all the medical personnel are saying like, look, we're reusing PPE. Like they're, they are yeah. reinventing and- Wrapped in re- trash bags and stuff. Yeah, they're doing all kinds of crazy shit. And to me, it's like, okay, like it just seems like it's just crazy to me that we have enough of a nuclear arsenal, which we don't have to even like worry about anymore because there's there's the threat of mutual annihilation, like you know that we spend so much money maintaining, but we don't have enough rubber gloves or you know gowns or face well, masks. I, it just seems it just seems completely this be, crazy. This is to me. this is the eye opener, man. This is the moment where everybody says, "Oh, we need to shift our focus a little." Well, bit. we know now that it takes a hundred years. At least, a, at, or at most, or at least, whatever we want to use, a hundred years to forget about the past. You know what I mean? Like to forget about what happened to our country a hundred years ago. Um, I, well, I, wanna, I think I, there's also, I think there's also some overconfidence um, that came with, you know, like the Ebola crisis um, and SARS and MERS and all that kind of stuff. Those popped up, and they were able to to be diffused pretty quickly because the flow of information was a lot more clear. Right. China, in this particular circumstance, wasn't too forthcoming with their information, so everybody was late to get on board with it. Right. Um, you know, I, I, one of the things I, I, I keep hearing about, I've, I, I need to do my some research before I even try to attempt to talk about it, is what happened, allegedly something happened to the doctor that, like, tried to blow the whistle on this in china Um, uh there were two of them that were one was like immediately disappeared and then the other gal uh i can't remember what happened to her but yeah there were a couple people a couple doctors there who said "Uh uh-oh we gonna have a problem here um you know there there were i think there were there were two of them i believe that like really had and that and that that in itself is alarming like why you knew you had a bad thing why wouldn't you, you know, ring a bell to let people know, hey, we got a bad thing over here? Like, yeah, we don't like you, um, but it's also not in any. It's not in China's best interest for them to, you know, kind of tarnish their name, responsibility, reputation, um, you know, globally, and especially when everybody know when they're trying to take, you know, take over the world economy. Um, you know, that's obviously a motivation of theirs, and they're doing a pretty damn good job at it. So. What was the motivation behind trying to, you know, hush that one? Uh, I mean, I think I, a lot I, of it for them is just national pride. You know what I mean? I mean, right. they have and, and control. Right. I mean, they're the most, the second most controlling regime or third maybe that I know of. Um, you know, you notice that we don't get any any information out of Russia about what their coronavirus situation is like. In fact, I'm going to look right. right now. I don't see like, but if you, if you really think about that, that's what I mean by like, it's overconfidence. Like they, I think a lot of, um, Oh, here's Russia. A lot of, uh, a lot of the lessons learned from other, 
you know, disease outbreaks and things like that, they were able to, to isolate them pretty quickly and before they could turn into this. I mean, realistically, SARS could have turned into this had it not been, you know, uh, extinguished faster. Um, you know, if somebody got a month late head start on it, or I can't call it a head start, but a month to react, it could have gone it would have been a totally different story altogether. So I think there's some confidence in thinking, oh, well, if, if something's bad, people are going to let us know and we'll be able to, you know, put up some sort of defense mechanism. Um, Whereas this one, it was just too damn late, man. I think, I think the reaction itself was pretty decent. Hey, cut off travel to these parts of the world. Then we're going to look at this real quick. And then they look at it. And even Dr. Fauci came, came along and he said, this thing, like we originally thought that it was like one person would get infected to for every one person infected. Now it's more like three to five. This is highly infectious, and you don't normally see that. Right. Another I mean, thing, SARS SARS infected eight thousand people. Right. Total. You know what I mean? Total. Like that's that, that's a huge difference. Um, so, and you know that was one of the things that Trump said. Like Obama did a really bad job with SARS. He did a horrible job. And I'm like, well. But did he? Because it seems like right. we kept. In fact, there were there were eight thousand people total in the world who had it. There were eleven hundred cases. Wait, hold on. Let me look. Let me look at this room one more time. Eight thousand people worldwide in Korea at the time. Uh, wow. Oh my God, this is an old article. In the United States, there have been more than eleven hundred cases of COVID nineteen with thirty deaths. Holy cow. Holy cow! That's crazy. How it's old crazy. Is you say it's article? old, but it's probably only like twelve days or something. Let me see, let me see how old it is. <coughs> um, hey, I wanted to I wanted to jump off into two different things real quick that I, I actually really wanted to ask you about. Uh, one of them, yeah. I'm not even sure how much you can address this, but I was curious about what your opinion was on um, Captain Crozier, 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 Crozier. His name was Crozier, like. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that? I've got some. So, um, I'd love, well, that's one good thing I asked. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think those outside the military look at this and say, that man is a victim of, sure. Uh, he, he is the victim of a, Tyrannical, oppre- oppressive, tyrannical society? oppressive society. Man, that society. sucks. <laughs> uh, I think. I, I think people. a lot of people. I think a lot of people think that he, he was, he was. Uh, but he broke protocol. A, no, I think a lot of people think that he was abused for his. Uh, you know, being fired was was abuse of of power on him. Uh, that he had every right. Here is the deal. Because you told me about this like a week and a half ago, there was a ship at sea. I didn't see this in the mainstream media until like three or four days ago. Okay, so check this out. First of all, uh, he was also, you know, anybody that's listening, uh, this guy, he was the the captain of, was it the... The Roosevelt, right? Yeah, the Roosevelt's a a nuclear-powered aircraft Mm -hmm. carrier. Essentially, it is a floating fighter base. Um, yeah, it's a capable, meme machine, dude. Right, capable of taking uh, air combat and air to ground combat anywhere in the world. Oftentimes, these are the types of aircraft carriers that carry uh, fighter jets to, 
I'm, you know, they'll be off the coast of anywhere. They can, you know, dudes will fly in three, four hundred miles, drop. I mean, they bombs can almost on fight a war up. on their own, basically. Like they're right. It's essentially Top Guns. Stuck. You know. Yeah. It's it's Top Guns uh, boat that takes them around. Yeah. Um, and this is the commanding officer in charge of that ship. Right. Uh, he is the top dog. He's in charge of everything that's going on there. And he caught wind of the fact that um, he had some people in his... This, during the coronavirus outbreak worldwide, he stopped the... He approved a stop in Vietnam for like four or five days, which isn't uncommon for these ships. They port in, in friendly countries and uh, it gives the, the troops a chance to get off and stretch their legs, so to speak, and um, uh, get to see some sights, take some leave uh, and things like that. And then they went back on their merry way and and they, they caught, I forgot what the original number, I think it was like 25 or 30 right. people infected. They did a really good job of isolating those people on the ship uh, to, um, you know, a safer controlled spot. But as we've all seen with this, you know, the incubation period, the num- the high level of, um, uh, uh, like transferability of the whole thing, so on and so forth. Um, well, the, the pro the problem with this whole thing is he is in charge of a lot more than himself. And yes. he, the way I understand it is he was talking to a friend or um, a family member or something like that that had ties to the media, and he wrote like a five-page email right, talking about the status of the people on board, um, the support that he was getting from on high about things. So he essentially leaked the status right. the status of, of the ship and its capabilities outside – without ever get letting it go up to the higher levels given it was probably making its way and getting reported up to the highest levels no matter what that's just the way it works in the in the air force i mean like i said i have an administrative job but i still get calls like hey there's a worldwide pandemic what are what are your you know limitations on your ability to do your job today and you're like it's, it's a, i mean give me a laptop do we have internet <laughs> yeah, give me give me a laptop and internet and i can work from anywhere right. i can make it yeah, happen yeah. um but that's not trying to downplay your job either. By the no, way. no, 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 no. Having a little fun. But that's not always the case with everybody. You know, like right. when you're talking to this gentleman, what are your capabilities to execute your mission? Considering there is this going on, he's like, well, I have, you know, like I don't know how many you know fighter jets are on an aircraft carrier, but I've got all these fighter jets. I've got munitions. I've got five thousand souls on board. Uh, that's a nuclear powered vessel worth whatever billions of of dollars yeah Yeah. billions of dollars it's a you know this is a major 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 thing well he leaked all the information it gets out and i think i think he was rightfully fired i absolutely um without question and you know to to put a little put a little plug in here for my own personal beliefs i think it's pretty funny that he gets fired for one single email that he sends about potentially classified information, things that were for official use only, he gets fired. Hillary Clinton sends hundreds and thousands of and just massive amounts of data, and 
everybody goes, oh, well, it, what's going on? Oh, she's did still you know in that, for office. Did you know that Jared Kushner election. is using think, personal email for all of his, like pretty much all of his shit? Jared Kushner's doing the same thing, and a lot of Republicans are doing the same thing. I mean, it was, right. it was, a, it was just, a false flag by Trump. I mean, they, 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 never, they never came up with anything. If they came up with anything, you know, they would have... You know they would lock her up, you know, but they didn't. Um, and and no, same thing wouldn't. with this. They're they're doing the they're I don't know they're doing the same thing here. I don't disagree. I think that, you know, it, you know, but he was also in an impossible position. It didn't seem like he was getting any help. Um, that's to me, that's media spin. Um, and they and were maybe, not leaving him out there to was, float. But but if he but if he wasn't getting help, then why why jeopardize? your position like you're not gonna i mean you know what this administration is like you know that you're not going to be praised as a whistleblower unless he's completely delusional i don't know this gentleman obviously but it seems to me that he was either drunk or was really had a cry for help i i realize that he broke protocol i realize that, that happened i'm not i'm not saying that i disagree with the you know, with the fact he was fired, he, you know, he broke very serious protocol that he swore an oath to. I mean, I, I can't argue with that. Like you, I mean, he basically set the rules for himself, you know, like he, he, he agreed to follow the rules, which means that they're now his set of rules. So I don't disagree with that. Um, I just think it's interesting that it the took- difference, the difference between being the difference between being a military member and being a civilian though is we're, you and I, for example, are no different in the sense that we have rights as human beings, right? We, mm-hmm. we both have those same, you know, the same liberties and everything that, that anybody that, I mean, you and I share that, right? But I signed up to follow and obey a whole other set of laws and rules. Right. And that yeah, stuff yeah. is all encapsulated in the Uniform Code of Military Justice. Well, that's what I'm saying. He, I am held to, to I am held to a higher standard as this guy is even higher than me because he's a commissioned officer. He right. has entrusted this multi-billion dollar ship. Right. He is, um, he's also entrusted to, to take care of the lives of the 5,000 people on board. And one of the things that happens when you start looking at military, uh, uh, opportunity is if people know where that ship is located, it can become a target. Right, and totally. If they can know its vulnerabilities, if he's sitting there saying, "I've got, you know, six hundred people on my ship of five thousand in the Indian Ocean, unable uh, top to Top Gun reference, to, hey. <laughs> right, but more Sorry. than anything, like that are unable to perform their job. We are weak right now. It just paints a picture for adversaries that today's the day they could take advantage of us. Like today's the day that that thing that looks like a threat is not actually as threatening as it appears to be because we've we've got it in confidence of their actual status that is where it becomes a, a point of confidence um that that should have been he, he should have exercised better better judgment in that capacity i think the media is spinning it out of control i know i've sat in a bajillion briefings in my That's life what they and do. meetings and stuff just about about prepping for things that not even on that same scale so when something is on that same scale he was getting support. He may not have liked what he got. They may have told him, hey, we just need you to float out there for the month. Don't do anything, you know, but we don't know that. Well, uh, excuse me. You know, I, I don't I don't disagree. Um, I 
I'm I, one thing I did notice actually was it was within it was within 24 or 48 hours that I saw that there was like a ma- a mainstream media focus on this that the I mean I'm sure they already had this plan. In fact, I know they had it planned. We already saw that um Bill Barr, uh, whom, whom I don't have a good nickname for yet, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, um, the, you know, the, they released this this big war on drugs that they were going to do, like this really big, heavy military yeah, yeah. operation. I thought it was interesting that the okay, that it. So, so okay, I'm getting I'm getting. Uh, thank you, honey. Thank you. I got brought a beer by my wonderful, beautiful, talented, gifted, smart. Uh, Tight ass girlfriend. Um, I just noticed it was within like 24, 48 hours that we heard from this captain that um, this was happening, that we like engaged in this really, really rigorous like military force on, on drugs, which is stupid to me. I don't think that we should be fighting a war on drugs because we will literally never win it. It is impossible to win it. I think that we should be. Um, treating it as a health issue and not a drug issue. Um, and I won't speak about it on our podcast publicly, but there's a lot of things that the U.S. government's done to promote drug use in the United States. Um, uh, you know, it, it just seemed interesting. that it, it was just very interesting that like that all happened kind of about the same time. As soon as people started seeing that there might have been some like weakness in the military, we like locked down like big time. And I know that Bill Barr had already like um, released that he was, you know, pressing charges against the president of Venezuela about like drug traffic or whatever. I knew that it was in the works, but it just seemed it seemed interesting that that was the case. I don't disagree with you either. I mean, he, he definitely weakened our position. He he did something that was against the law for the law that he's that he agreed to everybody agreed to everybody's got a everybody's got a boss and a and a colonel so he's a 06 in the navy they call him captains all the other branches they're colonels it's a powerful rank it don't get me wrong but he's got a boss who has 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 a boss you know like (laughs) right well i mean it goes all the way up i mean technically the guy didn't get fired by trump he got fired by uh, the military, right? The uh, well, it wasn't the military. It, was, it wasn't the Department of Defense. Uh, it wasn't the Secretary of Defense. It was the uh, what's his title? It's the civilian in charge of the Navy, right? And I, that's yeah. that's the one that, that fired him. So rightfully so, I think. I think right. he he got what he deserved. I, I don't disagree uh, just with you. I really on don't. professionalism alone, was he? And that was the other thing too. Is there's all these videos of the people cheering for him and i think that that helped paint it into a beautiful picture for the media at least that this guy was a loved commander yeah absolutely he probably was a great commander he's probably really great at taking care of his you know led away he was probably he was probably absolutely incredible at taking care of his people he was probably really relatable and he was an inspirational he was probably a fantastic leader you don't get to be entrusted with that kind of asset and those those many that many people without being great at what you do but that doesn't mean that he's impervious to a lapse in judgment and right. um at the time and in 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 probably your your most tested hour are we yeah. getting every single detail no but at, at face value with what i know about the military and what i you know my skepticism of what the media can do to things i think in a court of law 
you look at what his his charge was for his responsibilities, he he messed up yeah, in he the did. bottom line. And I, I think he, he probably he, he got what he, he deserved and uh it's probably it's just a bad moment for pro- what sounds like a really great leader. You so, know, you don't have people cheering for you in a in a positive light, you know patting you on the back sending you on your way when you get shit canned from a job unless you were you had their back you know unless they they believed in you i want to bring i want to ask you one more thing and then we probably should wrap it up we are getting into dangerous territory here as yeah. far as time um okay so let me say this um let me read you a quote about an award that you can receive um as a civilian in the united states <clears throat> someone who is and I quote, an especially meritorious, who has an especially meritorious contribution to the security or national interests of the United States, world peace, cultural or other significant public or private endeavors. That's what you, if, if you are awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom, you qualified in one or all of those cases. Do you believe that Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci should receive a Presidential Medal of Freedom and if so or if not, why do you think someone like Rush Limbaugh should or should not have also received the Presidential Medal of Freedom? So I have to to, to clarify. Read me the charge one more time. Well, what, if you are, if the, you are awarded if you are awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. You are awarded because okay. you were an especially meritorious for an for an especially meritorious contribution to the security or national interests of the United States, world peace, cultural or other significant public or private endeavor. Okay. So basically you were like so really you were awesome for the national security or interest of the United States, world peace, or like some other cultural like significance. So like some of the people who have been awarded it are like Tiger Woods, Babe Ruth, you know, like you know, uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, Michael Jordan. Um I mean there's there's plenty others too, you know what I mean? Like it go, it goes back to the Kennedy administration. Um you know, that's like, that's when they started like handing them out or what or not handing them. So out. let me, let me, let me answer your first question. Do they meet the criteria of, of the award in question? I would I'm, say I'm asking absolutely you. Yes, do they? Yes, do they? Right. Yeah. So I would say, do they meet the criteria? A hundred percent. Absolutely. I would probably even venture to say that there is some, there may be, uh, some higher level award. There is no higher level award that you can, uh, there is no higher level award that you can um, assign to a citizen. There is, there's, there's lower, there's the president, there's the presidential, presidential citizens medal, which is a little bit lower. This is all according to Wikipedia, by the way, but right. There's less than than 11 people a year who get it since 1993. So it's a pretty prestigious award. Right. But my point here, the reason I say that there's probably something even bigger and more uh, uh, more significant than even this is because you limited that to saying civilians. Yes, they are civilians, but they are also employees of the federal government. So there's within that, there's all kinds of 
different parameters and and criteria of different awards and and things that you know that you can get i personally i mean i've been i've been awarded um citations with the military that make it sound like i you know i single-handedly saved the world and that is no way shape form or fashion i'm part of a team um but i'm only eligible for those things because of my affiliation with the military same with them um they are not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Rush Limbaugh. I don't know the the circumstances that that earned those individuals this this uh, this award. And to sit there and compare them would to some they'd probably sit there and say, you know, it's apples to apples. But in all reality, it's apples to oranges uh, because they're probably not doing the same <clears throat> the same avenue of work. Um, but yeah, I would say based on what you're describing to me, they are, they are deserving. And I would probably even go as far as to say, there's probably something if, if Kareem Abdul-Jabbar can win it for, you know, be given, be given this award for something he did. I don't know that he did anything nearly as significant as what these two individuals. I mean, he scored a lot with, you know, as far as research and information. (laughs) Right. Um, he, what he scored a lot, uh, that's a basketball term and a sexual term. <laughs> hey, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm just curious to see what happens at the end of this, and like, and who we, like, who ends up being praised. Like, I I, I just like I'm a big person. Like, I want to give credit where credit's due, even if I'm not like a fan of whoever the recipient of that credit is. Um, you know, I'm just I'm just curious what's going to happen with that. There, there there are so many people responsible for like who's going to be like the time person of the year. You know, like who who's going to receive the most notoriety for handling this? Um, I you know basically who is history going to write about is like one of the things that you know right that I think about a lot lately. Like, what are we going to do? Like, wh- what are we going to talk about in? You know, it was what five or six or seven years until we started getting like serious, like after nine eleven, that we started getting like serious, like conspiracy theory stuff that like was released about who was responsible and who did it and who. You well, know, you what bring the up. Was. Well, you bring up. You bring up nine eleven, and you. So I, I would say that you know, if you're writing the history book of life, right? You know, you would you would take, uh, you know, the Civil War. You know, it was it was fought by many and the north won and uh you know most people contribute that success to abraham lincoln you're like okay cool close you know moving on uh world war ii you know the it was fought by many it was definitely lost by hitler and the oppressive you know regime stalin and fdr japan yeah right and you know it it was brought to resolve by blah 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 uh coronavirus you know fought by many and you're wondering, you know, who is it resolved by? I don't know. Yeah, who's going to be loud? Uh, you look at 9-11. You know, you look at 9-11 and a lot of people say it was re- it was brought to resolve by SEAL Team 6 when they kicked in the doors and shot Bin Laden and twice and in an, an anonymous group, you know, you know, like, I mean, not a part of anonymous, but th- we don't, you know, we will never know who those those brave men were. Like, we will not right, know who you, they were. Right, but you can put a... You can put a face to it by saying, you know, it was it it, it was the organization that it was. You right. Well, actually, I mean, technically, the guy that did it, Rob O'Neill, is an author now, and he writes books, and right, he's yeah. not very anonymous at all. Um, yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> uh, so yeah, that is a good question. Who's who's gonna 
get the notoriety. We don't know that though. You know, it could very well be some French doctor that pops up tomorrow and goes, Hey, I figured out the vaccine and, uh, we're going, you know, we're going to the presses with it. We're going to start making this juice and everybody's going to get a shot in their arm. I don't know. Um, did Dr. Fauci and, and Dr. Burks resolve anything? No. Did they, were they instrumental in the mitigation? Absolutely. You know, I think their ability, I feel like if it wasn't for somebody, Dr. Fauci and Burks, we'd be totally, we'd be in a whole different world, honestly. I feel like, right. you know, I, I, I feel like Dr. Burks is, by the way, at the last press conference I saw her, man, she did not look happy. I also saw an article the other day that poor fucking Dr. Fauci's wife has to remind him to eat and sleep and drink water because he's awake and working 20 hours a day. Like... These, and these he's getting people. like death threats. He's getting God, death threats. How, what and he the has hell, like a, man? What the, what the he's hell? He's got like a crazy security detail to keep him, uh, like, I, I don't know if it's actually the secret service or who, but like he has like people, like full blown security trying it's to keep him secret, safe. Like, dude, I come on. I would think it's secret service, right? I mean, I would hope. I would probably some extension of it or, you know, contract it out. Who knows? That, that but, blew my mind. When I saw that, I was embarrassed i was infuriated i was just like man you got one guy here at least or two i mean two you know fauci and burks both seem to deliver what the kids these days and for the last 40 years have called or not so much anymore but the straight dope um right you know he's been he's been extremely explicit about exactly what he believes needs to happen as a doctor who is by the way did you know he's 79 years old (laughs) Guys, right. he's, he's also almost, a, he's like a marathon runner though yeah, like that's he runs why he's five miles so every day at lunch like what a dude man holy god like what a machine so right I, I, i've been i've been humbled by the fact that I, it seems to me at least with fauci or like he at least seems to be the one who gets hmm, labeled for being possibly argumentative or at least in his um interviews the media he doesn't make political statements. I've really, really appreciated both him and mm-hmm. Dr. Burks for really avoiding politically charged statements. I think their job depends on it, A. But I think that behind closed doors, it seems like Dr. Fauci has really made, you know, very strong, stern statements and basically with both of his middle fingers up and said, hey, like, this is what it is if you don't like it. That's like your problem, but you're going to deal with it. Like, I'm, you know, like, I... You know, I can only tell you the facts that I'm giving you, and just like the Kushner more importantly, thing, the Kushner, the Kushner thing is driving me crazy too because he's he's making his own models outside of Fauci's and Burks's and like everybody else in the world, and you know, Kushner saying that oh well, New York doesn't actually need it. I've gotten smarter about this, and we don't need your opinion basically. And I didn't right. see MD after Jared Kushner's name. All I saw was nepotism you know like <laughs> that's seriously all but I, I think, saw i think the thing that Fauci i think that his role done, is being downplayed is my is my point like I, I think that he's not getting the credit that he or dr burks deserve right oh yeah absolutely you know it, I, I and i don't think that they are they're both very professional in the sense that they aren't obviously working for the recognition and i think that's that's the good refreshing thing in this whole thing is that they so I, I used to be part of an organization and um, the culture within that organization was silent professionals. 
Like we're not going to sit here and we're not going to brag about all the cool stuff we do. We're not going to talk about how we're different and, and how much bet, you know, we're not Globo Jim. We're better than you. And we know it, you know, (laughs) they're not, that's not the approach. You know, the approach is silent professionals. Uh, I'm going to be professional about it and I don't need a ton of praise. And there's so much wisdom in taking that kind of approach to things. Um, and I, th- I think they're both. I think they're both really, really professional in that regard. It's not about them. They're doing a really good job of separating themselves uh, from the whole thing. I could they not are agree delivering more. facts. Could not agree more. Right. It, they are delivering facts, and if people want to listen to them, uh, cool. That'll make things easier. But if they don't want to listen to them, just get out of the way because they they're going to keep working. They're that committed to they're committed right. to the cause too. They're it's committed not just to their job. Paycheck. I mean, they they got into their job because they like it and whatever. Hey, I wanted to bring up one more thing before we like do something different or whatever. Um, I noticed that Mr. Donald made a by the way about um Cro- uh, Crozier who like you know that whole thing like Donald made a very 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 big deal about how he had docked in Vietnam. And, and then like set sail again, like after that. And that was like the problem, you know, that was like the huge thing as well. He shouldn't have stopped in Vietnam. Um, the total number of cases in Vietnam as a whole is two as in the, as unless they're reporting their numbers wrong or inaccurately or whatever is 241. The population of Vietnam is 95.54 million. Now, out of 5,000 mm-hmm. sailors on that ship or air, airmen or whatever on that ship, one of them happened to come in contact. And this is, this is the current number. The current number of coronavirus cases in Vietnam is 241 out of a population of 90 million. So twice the size of California with right. less than 1% of what California... I mean, less than a tenth of a percent of what California... Well... Whatever, whatever the math is, a very small percentage in comparison to California. I thought that was very interesting that he like beleaguered that fact so many times. Like, oh well, they stopped in Vietnam. Whatever. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out real quick. That like that was like a big point of contention. Well, he stopped in Vietnam. Okay, so what? He might as well have stopped in fucking Fiji. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I guess Fiji only has twelve cases, but what what's the difference? Right. Again, I mean, it comes it comes down to any deaths zero deaths um you know there's there's more there's more cases jesus i could just read the list there's more cases in honduras the cote d'ivoire cyprus belarus tunisia um if i just wanted to read places where there's american bases shit man iraq has 961 cases as of today like they undoubtedly had more cases or less uh, more cases than vietnam did three weeks ago or whenever he stopped in Vietnam. It's just interesting how things get skewed. Uh, it, it, and that's way, exactly country it. in the world. Isn't that Luxembourg? Aren't they the wealthiest per capita nation in the world? They have 2,800 cases. That's exactly um, what it is though. Is it's, it's a oh. skewing of the information. It's not, I don't, it, the thing with Trump that I will say is you don't ever know exactly what he's going to say. And in a lot of times it doesn't even look like he knows what he's going to say. Like he, sometimes he says, he's like, they're, they're a great company. And then he, he realizes, well, I probably should 
I should expound upon that and I should say what a great company. They're one of the greatest companies in the world. They are the greatest company in the world. And you see him kind of go on the fly with a lot of things. So the fact that he even, you know, is hanging his hat on the fact, the fact that the fact that the, um, the captain stopped in, in, uh, Vietnam, I don't know that it's of any, any value. I don't know that there was anything as sinister as to say, you know, they were using that at that time to discredit him or what. I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't even think that it goes that deep with, with uh with president trump just because he said he had no idea that the guy was fired from his job until it was already done but we also and, have plenty of and, that, and that's the thing the that, that those, those individual a lot but those individual service chiefs so the the chief of the navy uh the chief of staff of the navy and um uh you know the, the civilian counterpart that's over the of the entire navy the secretary of the navy which is a civilian position like those they have autonomy to to operate those types of positions at their own discretion it's not until you get into a flag officer which in the uh which is like most branches refer to them as generals um but in the navy they're admirals they it's not until they get to that level that the president actually has to, um, to my understanding, that the president has to, to control the hiring and firing of those positions. So there's a really good chance that that's very true. They said, hey, this guy acted out of turn. We don't need, to, we don't need the president's green light to fire this guy from his job. Let's fire him and we'll deal with the, the still, media I fallout st- that st- comes with it I later. I still do not – what I just said doesn't change my stance. I still agree that – he violated protocol and did did the wrong thing, even if he thought he was doing the right thing. You know what I mean? Like he still did the wrong right. thing. Um, it was it was just something that I wanted to. I just had forgotten from earlier. That I was like, wow, like how interesting that this was like such a point that kept being brought up. That just seems to me like such a non-issue. You know, um, just seems to me that there's a lot of there's a lot of blame to go around and I'm just trying to figure out where it's all being pointed to. Um, right. And right now it's a lot of fingers pointing to a lot of different directions because it's, it's a chaotic time. I think, you know, human beings, they want a face to blame something on. That was the first thing that happened after nine 11. Who did this? And you could have said that an organization did it, but that wasn't powerful enough. They had to, put a face to it and and they said it was bin laden and everybody gravitated to he is the most evil man on the planet yeah he's an he was an evil dude let's not you know he was definitely behind some really bad stuff but guess what else was behind him there were people that were probably more evil because they were willing to go out and strangle with their bare hands bin laden was Bin Laden was ready to do things at a at a grand scale. He was ready to send soldiers to go do things. Right. That's like saying that, you know, the scariest man in America is President Trump. No, the scariest man in America probably only makes about forty or fifty thousand dollars a year, has tattoos all over his body, and he's part of a tier one special operations force, and he will go in and, you know, just, just dissect human beings if and when he is given the opportunity to. Well, that's probably look, the scariest man in America. Let's look at who and, the scariest and the man is. Same thing, the same thing can be said for like, no, you're good. The same thing can be said for, you know, the terrorists out there. So, but humans, it, it gets too complicated when you try to, to 
to to solve that mathematical equation of who had so much stock in the evil and and in this and in the mismanagement of this that or the other thing so they immediately need to blame somebody they need to put a face on this and right now um it it's trump and is it all his fault? Absolutely not. It's he. It happened on his watch, and it's not his it's, fault that it happened. Nobody. I don't think anybody's saying that it's. I hope nobody's saying it's his fault that this happened, right? Because that's just categorically wrong. But he the didn't handling sit in of the lab it and do this, you know, he will take the blame for the handling of it, even though there is a there's teams comprised of hundreds, if not thousands, of people that are accessing evaluating analyzing and delivering data that help him make his decisions and no i agree that's the unfortunate thing about it like you know everybody just trying to take the time to say mr president you screwed up and you need to be fired and let's let's do another inquiry on impeachments and stuff and you're just like man like what a what a thankless job! I'm so glad. No, like, no, it, no. It's a, it's absolutely like, a thankless job. I mean, and th- the only problem though is that like here's here's the problem I have with it. When you okay, so as an American citizen now who is running for the presidential office, you know already that there's a 50-50 shot of you coming out of this as being either a good or a bad president, like because you can't control everything that happens. Um, and your policies could land or could not land depending on what, you know, the, the social or financial climate is at the time you went for the job anyway. So, right. And, and by the way, whenever you leave this job, you have social security protect or social security, (laughs) you have, um, secret service protection the rest of your life. You also have every advantage ever, like God, who right. wouldn't love to be an ex-president? My God, what a great... That's the job you want. That's the only reason you become a president is so eventually you will become it's an ex-president. <laughs> yeah, like you're, right. you're set. Like you don't have a sh- you don't have shit to worry about. Um, so I guess I guess my thing is like, look, I mean, I just think it's strange that like he he will... He seems to take zero responsibility for it. Like none, like just take some, like own, own up to it a little bit and like have some honor... And, you know, things would probably be, maybe be different. Maybe you would get some, maybe gain the respect of the people. If you gain the respect of people that you don't respect, you are winning. Oh, in yeah. My, in my book. And I feel but like I think, done I think that's the problem. That. Oh, I, that's what I'm saying. I think the problem is right now, maybe if it all comes out in the wash, like let's say, let's fast forward three, four, five months, and this is all kind of water under the bridge, right? Let's just pretend that we we can have life back to normal six months from now. If they want to do a hot wash of this thing and then realize that Trump is the enemy and they want to, you know, put his his face in the picture frame that they're going to throw darts at, sure, whatever. But let it run its course. Yeah. The problem right now is that they're 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 criticizing his every single move and every single play, and he's just doing the best he can with the information that is available right now. Like I said before, there's not a seasoned team of experts that have all done this before. This isn't like, Oh, like these people's accolades are not that, that they they've resolved these issues together as a team. No, they were brought together as the closest thing to two experts 
to assess and evaluate how to handle this. And I'm sure there's historians and all kinds of positions we don't even hear about because we just see the, you know, the task force as they as they appear. But those are the figureheads. Those are the directorates of this task force. I bet the task force itself is actually thousands of people thick, you know. And I mean, it would have to be those people. Yeah, those people are, are working to get data points and everything, and they come up, and those people are making decisions accordingly. You know, uh, Dr. Burks actually kind of alluded to, she's like, my she, she gave some credit today to uh, her team. She goes, my team who work the data piece are absolutely incredible. They work all hours of the night so that they can get me data at like 2 or 3 in the morning so that I yeah, can I mean, start briefing, briefing yes. the press at four or five AM. Right. You know, that and every one of these people are like that. So to crucify them is is frustrating, especially while it's still an active ongoing thing. You know, it's just I and that's what I love about Trump lately is that he's just he's shutting them up. Like, listen, your your question is just it's it you're trying to entrap me into uh you know you're trying to bully me into this. They're they're leading questions that are just trying to get me set up for failure and it it's so far off topic. It's so irrelevant that we're, we don't even need to go there to he his shuts credit. Up, and I think it's pretty great to, to his credit. I noticed after yesterday, cause I did not watch today's address. If there was one, I'm sure there was, but I did not watch it. Um, it was later than uh, normal today. Okay. Well, I noticed yesterday after his address where he really, he really dressed down a, a few reporters yesterday and like, uh, and once it's again, tacky. I, I, I'm sorry. I, it, when he does it, he it, it, it is tacky. I will uh, give you that. Actually, if anything, yesterday I felt like he. Well, I, you're about to. You're kind of serving my point here a little bit. Um, I felt like the way he dressed down the reporters yesterday was tacky. However, I noticed directly after the conference, usually after a press conference that he's doing or a press briefing, whatever he's doing, whatever they're calling it, there's usually a. I think, especially after the Kushner thing, boy, boy, that really, that really, that really you know ruffled some people's feathers but i noticed after he attacked a few of the reporters yesterday um that i did not see an onslaught of reports from the media about what he was doing or how he was doing it poorly i also even noticed that today i couldn't even stream meet the press live off youtube or not live but like just directly after um the broadcast of meet the press um I noticed like this this small lull or a small media silence in the fact that he kind of did address a few things. I also think that the media overplays things. Like I I am a oh, yeah. I am a liberal. I'm a I'm a I'm a social liberal and a and to a degree a fiscal conservative. Um, I identify as libertarian or possibly just straight up independent or whatever. But I did notice there was some quiet hood in the, or not maybe quietude isn't the right word, but there was some silence in the media about all of his statements yesterday. I didn't see any direct attacks. They were all from like the day before. Like everything I read today was basically from the day before or just an opinion or critical piece written about what was happening. I did think that he handled it while tacky and classless and tasteless and, you know, any other negative pejorative you could throw at the way he handles it. I did notice there was like a little bit of silence in that. Um, I didn't see a big backlash 
today, but the media's got a lot to write about anyway. The Kushner thing really, I think, freaked a whole bunch of people out. That really, yeah. like, bummed people out. It bummed me out. I'm like, dude, I don't know who this guy is. He doesn't even have, like, real security clearance. I mean, he does, but he, like, faked it. Like, this is a real <laughs> thing. You know, this is like a this is like a problem, you know? And, and I don't know why he, and, like, the fact that he was throwing out the fact that you know, he was smarter than the doctor. I don't know. Like, but you know, and Trump seemed to quell that pretty well. I didn't think he handled the, um, the hour, um, like the hour, those are our supplies thing very well. I don't, I think he yeah. kept kind of reiterating the same thing. And I don't, I don't think he did that very well. He is not an orator. I, I don't think there's any doubt that Donald, Mr. Donald is not an orator like at all. Um, unless he's firing off the cuff, he cannot read a speech or, check it out ahead of time and like deliver any passion within the speech. He is very, very bad at that. Like, if I'm better than the president of the United States at public speaking, then you have a problem with your president, at least as far as public speaking. When he's reading a speech, it's very clear that he's reading it. And when he is, when he's, he's reading, there, but he's reading it the best, he, he's reading it the best. And then he, I love how he goes off for like three or four sentences and he talks about the things that are right. going to be addressed in the next three or four sentences, but he talks about it his own way, and then he reads the next three or four sentences, which really right. said what he just said, but they say it more eloquently, without, and if he would have just kept his big mouth out of it, it would have sounded a lot better. And if you'd read with a little bit of gusto, man, just a little bit of gusto, dude, come on, man. The COVID-19, the COVID, uh, COV-19, yep, new phrase, <laughs> a lot of people hearing that phrase. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? <laughs> 140 million. Nobody's heard numbers like this. Can you believe it? 140 million. 100. Can you believe right. it? I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, right. Right. You know, we're sitting. I mean, it, which is such a big difference from Obama because Obama was like probably the king. I mean, he had a cadence, is what I call it, but he was a great public speaker. Dude, Obama. Uh, Obama like gave Clinton a fucking boner, you know what I mean? And Clinton was a pretty good speaker, you know. Like mm-hmm. I think Kennedy probably had a Kennedy had a grave boner, you know what I mean? Like you know the eternal flame that's over like Kennedy's memorial spot, <laughs> I get it. dude. I, that thing just rocketed every time Obama gave a speech. It was just like right. ten feet tall, you know what I mean? God, and, but I, I think, but the one thing I like about Trump is that he's not he speaks afraid. to his voters because they all think that way well i don't that that's a pretty broad brush you're painting with i just think he he doesn't hide who he is and he he says some of the things that people don't want a politician to say so yeah on that note we will uh continue to attempt to solve the world's problems at a at another future date whenever we get together i think we've proven to ourselves that with as fast as this whole thing has been going, that uh, you know maybe a week is is a little too long, and we need to mm-hmm. we need to get back together uh, a little more frequently to to pick this apart because there has been a yeah. lot that's happened, and uh, I I think there's probably a bunch that's happened that I was fired up about earlier this week, but obviously we didn't find time to yeah we didn't even discuss. hit like half the things that yeah we can't go another week that's that's too bad yeah. It's, it's my fault good. too. It's my fault. No, mine too. I, I I've been busy too, but uh, we'll we'll make time and uh, we'll we'll resolve we'll resolve the the issues as we find them. Because we're again here at the dot 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 podcast, we don't know any everything. Oh yeah, but yes, we do. <laughs> we don't know everything, but we're going to convince you that we know it all. 
Exactly. <laughs> Next week on the Coronavirus Podcast, the Dot 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 Podcast, we'll be broadcasting from the grave. <laughs> At this rate, we might be. <laughs> We're both six feet tall, but next week we're going to be six feet under. Six feet under. <laughs> <laughs>